aboard the battleship pretension i am tyler smith i'm david bass and thank you for listening david yes how you doing <sighs> oh boy deep sigh well um you know i like to i like to try to remain current sure i like to try to be au courant au courant yeah that's right uh, i am actually trying to learn some french because oh, okay. i'm going to paris in the fall mm-hmm. um but uh i feel like an old man right now Okay. Because I don't know if you heard the news today, as of the day of the recording, a few days ago from when you're hearing this. Uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine okay. will become Entertainment Monthly. Really? I mean, not officially. It's not. It's actually still going to be called Entertainment Weekly, and it's going to be a mostly online. But okay. they're going to publish a monthly print edition. Huh. Um, and I feel like... I feel like such an old man that I'm like... I like having a magazine. I like subscribing to magazines and I like having, because here's, here's what it is for me. There are plenty of websites that cover pop culture, yeah. right? But with entertainment weekly every week or increasingly every two weeks, because mm-hmm. I feel like this movie has been coming cause they do a double issue almost every, like uh, I, it has become okay. essentially a bi-monthly magazine uh, at this point. Um, but they're still pretending anyway, mm-hmm. let's say every week, I get a thing that is a finite amount of information that I can read. And so I might not care about what's happening on the final season of preacher or some show that I don't watch. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But if there's a story on entertainment weekly, I'll read it because it's part of my entertainment weekly. Right. It's part of what I'm paying for. Whereas with the AV club.com or like polygon or whatever other website, uh, I, I look at if there's a story about, preacher i'm probably just going to skip it because i don't want that show right and so i feel like having this little sort of almost like a dosage a pop culture dosage yeah come in my mail every week and say you're going to read about megan trainer going into the studio for her new album even though you're never going to listen to the album you're going to read about it because this is what's going on in popular culture right and entertainment weekly is kind of the has become the standard bearer of that for close to 30 years. At this well, point. kind of the fact that it is a limited thing by which I mean, there is a cover and a, right. a front yeah. cover and a back cover. So the fact that it's limited, it essentially means that like this is curated. Now they're trying to stay up, you know, up to the minute and they could have, they, you know, they would if they could, but, uh, but it's, they're saying like, Hey, this is important. And if it's not here, then it's not important. Or, Hey, if it sticks around for a week, we'll cover it next week. Uh, because obviously it has become important. Yeah. Um, where, and so when something is curated for you and you know, this is the most positive and probably the most in-depth I've ever thought about entertainment weekly, but, uh, <laughs> but if something is curated for you, there is a tendency I think to be like, Oh, okay, well somebody thinks this is valuable information, so I will read it. And also there is something to be said for like, well, all I got to do is read this, like this magazine. I'm just going to read this <laughs> yeah. and everything inside it, and then I'm done, cover to cover. Yeah. Well, there's no cover to cover on the internet, and so when when you have it's it's that it's that uh, it's that idea of like limitless potential, um, where if you can watch anything, that's actually more stifling, and you wind up not yes. seeing the stuff right. that you might be interested in, or or might in different circumstances might actually take the time for. Yeah. But when it's like, like you said with the AV club, like they have so much stuff that it's just like, none of it actually seems that important. So I can skip everything. Except for the stuff that's specifically geared to it. And that's uh, what our friend Josh Fadum said on this podcast, uh, turn off the algorithms because it ends up sort of becoming an echo chamber where you only are interested in the stuff that you were interested in when you start. Yeah. Whereas like because of entertainment weekly, I found out about like weird little reality shows like forged by fire, which was a sword making competition reality <laughs> show right. that I would not probably wouldn't have heard of yeah. otherwise that is awesome, mm-hmm. you know, and then stuff, even stuff I don't watch. Like I know about the property brothers or mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And like that would just go under my, especially since, Oh yeah. The other, um, <coughs> Natalie and I have finally cut the cord. We no longer have uh, satellite, or actually, we ha- we haven't turned it off yet. Technically, we still have satellite, okay. but we're fully like Hulu, like you know, yeah. Hulu Live type of type of people. And so that's even more. I'm not like uh, Hulu Live does allow you to kind of flip channels in a way, but not the same way as no. as Directv. Um, like, so I'm becoming more and more insulated in my 
just repeating what I'm already into. And I worry about, and I, you know, like I said, entertainment weekly isn't going away is going to monthly, but is this the first step toward it going away? Probably. Um, and that's sad to me. I like, cause even GQ, the only, the other magazine that I subscribe to is, um, nominally a monthly magazine, but they actually only do 10 episodes, 10 episodes, 10 issues a year. Like mm-hmm. the one that I just got is the June, July issue. And they'll okay. do that a couple times a year. Will there, will there, where they'll just sort of do two, make one issue that covers two months or whatever. Yeah. It's not like a double size issue. It's just a regular issue. And I'm not getting another one until, until August, you know, I will go one step further and I will say that this is the, this is the first step towards them going just completely online. Yeah. And then I actually think they will go out of business because if an entertainment weekly is solely online, how is it any different than anything else? Stuff that is, that is more recognizable as an online entity. Like I feel like entertainment weekly has still been an online entity, but I think of it as a magazine first. Yeah. And I, I feel true. like, I feel like people, that's true. you don't think of entertainment weekly as being a place that you go for like, like the morning after Westworld airs. Yeah. I'm sure they have a, a recap up at entertainmentweekly.com or EW.com. Yeah. But yeah, that's not where you're going to go. You're going to go to one of these yeah. other, you're going to go to AV club, polygon mashable, like the websites. Yeah. The thing that set them aside was the fact that they're a magazine. So if they're not a, ma- a physical magazine, yeah. so if they're not that anymore, then what's to differentiate them from all these other places that, yeah. So I could see them cause didn't, cause newsweek is gone completely. Right. Is it? Because well, I know that they didn't do print anymore, and then I think I had heard that it was going that hmm. the publication itself was going out of business. Um, but I might be thinking yeah. of something else. But now I don't know. I, I didn't think to look because uh, EW is owned by People. I don't know if People is also going to this form. Hmm. If People will continue. Uh, anyway, I feel like an old man mourning. Although I wonder because I'm a subscriber, like if they go to a firewall type of sure. thing that might keep them afloat. It could, you know, by, uh, because I would probably, I would, in that case, I would probably just stay on as a subscriber and, right. and read their content, uh, there because that's allowed. I know you don't follow, um, sports, but there's a sports website called the athletic that is, um, killing it right now. And they are subscription only. They do not have any free content. Hmm. You have to have a, be a member. Yeah. And that has, uh, uh, allowed them. I think that they, they've really succeeded actually by focusing a lot of their attention on the second tier sports, because these are, these are like passionate fans who will absolutely right. pay, but it's not enough, you know, it's not worth it to run, but they have, a chorus. They have a, a beat writer for every NHL team, and as of recently, they have a beat writer for every WNBA team. Like so, wow. basically, hockey, women's basketball, and increasingly auto sports is like where the athletic is making their money, yeah. which are like secondary sports if you're going to ESPN or whatever because they have to please the most people. So maybe the subscription uh, firewall type of thing is a way for Entertainment Weekly to stay alive, but. Who knows? Maybe this monthly thing goes on for years, uh, and then maybe I die. So the, <laughs> that's the only acceptable uh, ending to this. Um, the the sport, the specialized sports thing that you were talking about. Um, it reminds me. Did you ever see Vegas Vacation? You know, I feel like I've seen that one like <coughs> on TBS so much yeah. that I pretty much. I don't think I ever sat down and watched yeah. it, but I could tell you what happens okay. in it. I know about the whole Ethan Embry like wins four cars. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, I know about. My favorite line, okay, because there's a part on the airplane on the way there. He loses something important in the in the airplane bathtub. Do you remember this? And I thought he was, I thought he was trying to like join like the Mile High Club with oh, his wife or something like that. Oh, and yeah, he winds up with the blue. Stupid. In any case, yeah. he reaches into the bathtub. His blue, his hand and his sleeve are all blue. And when he gets to the hotel, the bell the per, the person at the counter asks him, "Do you want to?" towel or something and he goes oh no it's a birthmark which is hilarious because <laughs> yeah. it's on his sleeve too and that's the kind yeah and that's the kind of thing the the throwaway that chevy chase is actually quite yeah. good at um yeah the thing that got me uh it's not that good of a movie but there's one moment it's a montage where they're they, they just need to he needs to make some money he needs to win all right so the they Wallace go, sean is the blackjack dealer i believe right? so yeah but yeah no they go to the they go to the, they yeah and it's just all these different things like right. and one is just like just like the the 
dealer or whatever you want to say that, yeah, uh, <laughs> is just, is just looking at him with like a, which is just like this dead eyed expression. And the name of the game is what number am I thinking? <laughs> and so literally, uh, so we're going to do yeah, this one with his hands behind his back and says, how many fingers? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I have seen that. And it's, and it's actually, it's cut together really well because the guy is just, again, there with a dead expression. And, uh, so you'll be Chevy Chase. I'll be the guy. Um, and so, uh, just say, just say the number six, eight, (laughs) that's it. Like it's, it's that fast. Like that's how quickly you lose your money. So it's pretty funny. Uh, and so, yeah, I was thinking of like this, uh, the athletic, uh, they start covering what number am I thinking? (laughs) All right. Uh, before we move on to other stuff, I also apologies to listeners. I have some postcards that I've had for weeks. Okay. Um, that I kind of forgot about because one of them, got lost in my other bag. Hmm. The other one came in at a week when you weren't here, when, when Scott and I, uh, talked to Aaron Shulman and I wanted to save it for when you were back. Okay. And then I just forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we have a postcard from Dave, 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 Dave Rano. Um, oh, I've met him. You have? Yeah. Okay. Well, he sends a postcard from Minneapolis. Is that where you met him? <coughs> yep. And then you've been to Minneapolis many, how many times have you been to Minneapolis? Well, it's tough because, Jen's family lives in Roseville, which is in between St. Paul and Minneapolis. And so I've been to Roseville a lot. Okay. I've been to St. Paul quite a bit. Minneapolis, maybe twice. Okay. I guess I'm saying is how many times you've been to Minnesota? Oh my. Um, 20, 25, maybe that that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's more. Yeah. I, uh, cause I love to, my, my wife is a SoCal native born mm-hmm. and raised SoCal. Um, and it's hilarious to me that she had no idea that waiting in her future were many trips to St. Louis, yeah. Missouri. Like <laughs> a place she never, I'm sure yeah. she spent more than t- 25 years of her life. Never even once considering visiting St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. And now she like knows her way around. Well, at least hilarious. that's St. Louis. Jen had to go to Nixa, Missouri oh, yeah. for many years. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, you have to you fly into Springfield? Springfield. Yeah. But you have to, there's no direct flight to Springfield. Are there from Los Angeles? Uh, uh, there, there are, okay. uh, there's a, there's a specific airline that flies like two days a week direct from LA to That's Springfield. It's good. expensive though. I, I imagine. Uh, so yeah, Dave sends us a, a really cool Minneapolis post. Oh yeah. That's neat looking. Yeah. I like that. I've never been to Minneapolis myself. Uh, I look forward to going. I don't look down on the Midwest cause I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> Uh, and then our friend Peter, who always sends us postcards, send us, sends us one from uh, Talbot Lake, Jasper National Park in Alberta, Canada. Canada. The Canadian Rockies. All the way. <laughs> that's what it says. Canadian Rockies. No, I think. All the way from the Great White North. Um, and he says, it's, he's thanking us on our, or saying he enjoyed the TCM wrap-up episode, which, A, you weren't on, and B, was two months ago. So that's how long I've been sitting on this. Um uh, da, da, da. He, he says that the, the Cinerama in Seattle is great. Uh, and he watched, Oh, speaking of our be- best movie year ever, mm-hmm. uh, episode, he said that, uh, the Cinerama in Seattle did a recent, uh, best of 1999 series with lock stock and two smoking barrels, the matrix office space, three Kings being Jim Malkovich election, existence, Ron and Blair, Witch project. And that's it. Um, I don't think those are the best movies of 99, but I like how niche they went with some of those like existence. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that's great. Um, that reminds me of something that I think I knew, but only recently learned again because it came up, uh, because (laughs) Toronto was in the NBA finals, which I didn't even follow, uh, basketball, but, um, I was reminded because it's, uh, golden state versus, Toronto. Okay. Golden State. The Golden State is California. Warriors? Yes. Hey, all right. But do you know there are more Californians than there are Canadians? <laughs> what, what What do you mean? Two million more there, people live in California than live in the entire in country. All of Canada. I mean, that's, that makes sense. Canada is enormous. Yeah. But as I've said before, they all kind of settle along the bottom like coffee grains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like gravity is working in kind of an odd way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Peter. Indeed. Uh, you can uh, you at home can always send us postcards or anything else at our P.O. box, which you can find uh, at BattleshipRenation.com. I think you click on about. Yeah. Or a boot. About, yeah, from Alberta. there you go. Um, and honestly, Minneapolis a little bit yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got yeah, definitely got the the Aboot uh, conference <laughs> here, caucus. Uh, so 
before we move on, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com uh, is where you get professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They are stylish and they are colorful. Uh, and, and they're, uh, yeah, the, they look great. I have forgotten. Right now. Was, yeah. We're recording at a different time and I'm like, the sun, I'm also like sundowning you, right now. Also, um, <laughs> also you, you threw in something you didn't. Because I was and trying to remember death. what I was yeah. next. Yeah. Okay. So no, they look great. They sound great. And Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today I was listening to, uh, do you know the R&B singer Khalees? K-E-L-I-S? No. Okay. Um, well, she sort of, I think, became most famous in the early 2000s, but she had two records on Virgin, two albums on Virgin Records before that. And the Virgin Records, essentially, she left the label. She was not happy with them. And so her second album called Wanderland was, I mean, it's, 2019 you could have found it anywhere but like sure. legally was very difficult to find for a long time and has just as of this week popped up on spotify so i've been listening to khalisa's 2001 album wonderland uh and really enjoying it virgin records didn't know what they had on their hands and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you go if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges so please i implore you go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I got through it. Yeah. Now let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. What are we talking about? This is your idea. I want to know what it was inspired by. Deadwood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's funny you said that because that's kind of what I first thought. But then on the this week's movie journal, you mentioned that you watched the 2018 Halloween, yeah. which is kind of in a way what we're talking. It both is and isn't. What it we're is talking and about. isn't. Yes. Um, but yes, we are we are talking about uh, sequels that took that that were released a long time after their predecessors. Right. I think we decided like ten years or more. Uh, oh, did that's, we say that? For that's sure? what I. Yeah, I, I think that's what I texted. That, but. I might have some that broke that, but. Um, uh, yeah, there. Uh, I feel like anything over five is can qualify as a long time, especially yeah. since there are some franchises where there's a sequel the next year. Yeah, um, yeah, but if you go on over five, is that that would count? That would mean Aliens counts because it's seven years after Alien. Yeah. Is that right? Um, yes. Yeah, uh, and I, I definitely didn't think about Aliens uh, for this, but yeah. that is it, it is kind of. Uh, Aliens is one of those. Gremlins two would always also be one of those. Sure. Which is now, what? which batch is that? Uh, that's the new batch. That's the new batch. Okay. Which I think is also seven years. Is that eighty four to ninety one? Is that right? I think it's ninety. I mean, it's ninety, so it's six years. Yeah. Um, which this is going to be a matter of perspective. Um, once you're an adult, six years doesn't seem like that long ago, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if a movie, if Gremlins came out when you were in middle school. England Gremlins two comes out when you're in college. Sure, that feels like a huge, uh, a huge weight. Well, and that's the thing is, I feel like sorry, that's going to be junior high, not middle school. Uh, there we go. Thank right. you. Uh, I do think that a lot of movies that have sequels, I'm I'm painting with a very broad brush, but these days, a lot of movies that have sequels tend to be aimed at a younger demographic, and so if there's going to, if you let's say you really capture that demographic, you better. And you want to do right, a you sequel, you, you got to do it probably within three years, you I'd gotta say. You got to turn out Secret Life of Pets 2 uh, yeah. before those kids are too old. Kind of, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but a lot of the movies on my list here uh, are very much for adults. Uh, not exclusively. There's there's a fair amount of animation as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's... I, I was thinking if... The, I was asking myself if this is a new phenomenon because we do live in an age of nostalgia and I mean, nostalgia is not a, not a new thing. Like 
you know, you go back to like American graffiti was nostalgic for the fifties, you know, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. uh, but I do, I do think that the internet has really allowed people, uh, of all ages, but I'd say people probably 40 and younger, um, to really engage with, uh, the stuff that, that they enjoyed when they were young. Like you yourself were talking about these chips that exist that you and I both, the movie journal, uh, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you and I both enjoyed. For, for those who didn't listen to movie, movie journal, I was reminded through happenstance of Keebler pizzeria chips, uh, which were so they good. They were so good. I, I the so minute, the right minute you said, it, I was like, I could, like you said, like I could taste them yeah. and I just wanted to taste them again. Um, and, and the way that I just, you know, the way you think of pizzerias, <laughs> I think, uh, of Deadwood, uh, which is <laughs> when, when the movie came out and I watched it, it's like, it is imperfect, I think, but I was just kind of happy to be there. And I do think that that is the instinct or rather the, the desire to tap into that is what a lot of these sequels come out of. I don't even necessarily mean full on cash grab. I do think oh, that yeah. there are, there are filmmakers who maybe, th- maybe this certain film or film franchise really meant a lot to them as they were younger. And now that they are making movies, like they have an opportunity to try to capture that for themselves and maybe re uh, expose a younger generation to this thing that maybe they weren't aware of before. Uh, yeah. Or maybe they're just made for the adults sure. because one of the, what I think is one of my favorite sequels <laughs> of all time, is a, a sequel to a movie that was not particularly success, successful when it came out, mm-hmm. but then grew in stature and so got a sequel 35 years later, I think. Okay. And that's Blade Runner. Yeah. And Blade Runner 2049, is it 35 years? Is that, am I doing the math? It was 2017, uh, right? Yeah, that's so 35, 35 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that one definitely doesn't feel like a cra- cash grab. Not it's at all. kind of crazy they let, <laughs> <laughs> let uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, make that that beautiful towering weird movie. Yeah. I, I love that movie so much. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's quite literally top of my list. It's the first one I thought of. Um, okay. and, and that, but, yeah, that's one where I think the, the filmmaker and the people involved really felt like they had more to, to delve into because, yeah. you know, when you're dealing with science fiction in 1982, they are they're projecting what the future might look like well now we know what their future was yeah uh and it's like okay well now we can bring in other elements like the idea of an entire uh entity existing on just a little essentially a thumb drive Mm -hmm. uh and that sort of thing so i do think that one that's about as organic as you as you get i think that one but are there other examples like that that was a movie that was not successful when it came out and then became a hit and then got a, I mean, there are, there are closer examples. Like, um, people forget that Austin Powers, the first one was not a successful movie. Right. Out. Right. But that was at a time, which I think happens less now because right. Physical media is less, uh, prevalent, yeah. but, um, VHS rentals basically, yeah. uh, were huge, I think for Austin Powers and it got a sequel based on the strength of its home video performance, not its theatrical performance. I do um, think this doesn't necessarily, f- this doesn't fit necessarily with what we're talking about, but I think Terminator two, cause the first Terminator, you know, it, it, Arnold was already kind of on the map mm-hmm. and then it helped him and it certainly helped James Cameron. Uh, what is but that? Eight it, years? That is, that's what? 84 to 91. So, so seven. it's seven years. Okay. Um, but yeah, and in the interim, you know, James Cameron made aliens, mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger was in a ton of stuff. And so it's like, Oh, well let's maybe do another Terminator. And I will say, uh, cause I was watching, uh, a while ago, I was watching, uh, like the special features on Terminator two. And, uh, and I, I forget who's, I think, I think it was Schwarzenegger who said to James Cameron, because they were they were looking to work together again. I think they were actually thinking about True Lies, um, and I think Schwarzenegger is the one that said, "Well, what if we did another Terminator?" Mm-hmm. And James Cameron's like, "Oh," and I do think honestly that oh, that is something that co- that happens a lot in my mind when I when I'm looking at these movies okay. uh, that happen again for my for my own list is outside of 10 years where the franchise you know 10 years is a long is a long time in pop culture and you know when when more than five years have gone by you kind of feel like the studio or filmmakers whatever are 
just sort of feel like, okay, I think, okay, we, we've done what we can do with this franchise. And then a few years go by and they're like, I think I want to do this. And almost invariably my thought is, Oh, really? Uh-huh. It's, it's not wholly negative, but it's definitely surprised. And my first thought is usually cash grab. Um, okay. That like, Hey, this is a way to tap into something. Uh, or maybe you tried other things and realized you weren't great at them or people weren't interested. And so let's make, for example, another Godfather movie. Um, you know, Godfather three is, but I, 16 years after Godfather part two. I mean, that I think that's a good explanation of why Paramount greenlit the movie. Paramount, I feel yes. Like Coppola probably wanted to make that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sorry. Um, the idea of these being greenlit and the idea of cash grab, uh, I, don't, I, I don't usually like to ascribe the cash grab motivation to filmmakers. Okay. I think they usually have so, at least some stake in yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but but from a studio if standpoint. If you're applying it to the studio, that's kind of... I'm sure their reaction would be like, yeah, that's what we do. We're sure. <laughs> making money. Um, but yeah, I, I, you, most of what I picked were like, there was one and then later there was a second one. But what you're talking about is actually like there was a franchise. Yeah. And then there wasn't, do you know what I'm saying? Like Indiana Jones, right. Rambo, which is another Rambo movie coming out. There is. Um, Rocky Balboa is another uh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are more. Yeah. Something. I mean, we just talked about Halloween, I, but Halloween never, I mean, did Halloween never really go away? No. I mean, what's the, what's the, okay, Rob Zombie's Halloween was what, what year? I oh, don't actually know. Oh, seven? But oh, he made seven. another one. He made two. Yeah, but I'm saying between the last of the, like, which was, so maybe there was like 10 years there, maybe that uh, uh, Halloween movie? Maybe uh, that's very possible. Okay. Anyway, that's not the point. Um, um, yeah, Rob Zombie's Halloween was in 2007. Okay. And then his Halloween 2 was 2009. So what's the last of the original sort of run? Is it The Curse of Michael Myers? Is that the... No, the, I think it's oh, the Halloween Resurrection. No, but there's Resurrection, remember? Oh, I don't remember Which, Resurrection. Yeah, well, it's Okay, so it never bad. went away then. Yeah, it, ne- it really never went away. Yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I will say that... Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk first about what you are talking about, where someone makes a movie, yeah, just one movie by itself, and then ten years later or more, uh, the filmmaker or the studio decides they want to revisit it. Yeah. Um, I do and, have a few examples of that, and most of mine are kind of like movies that were hits, and it's almost like it's weird it took so long. Um, but when were they made? Because now the idea of, oh, something was a hit, obviously there's going to be a sequel. Right. Okay. Uh, that might so not the, have been the case. The first thing I think of is what you're talking about. Uh, Mary Poppins took, sure. what, like 50 years? That's about, the, that's about that. 64 uh, is when it came out. So more than 50 years. Yeah. 50, 54 years. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess that maybe wasn't it top of mind back then to like churn right. up Mary Poppins 2 in, in the 1960s. Um, I do wonder though, like that one, I mean, it counts officially cause it is called Mary Poppins returns, but yeah. like aside from Dick Van Dyke, it's an all new cast. And even though the characters are the same, like, I don't know, it's, it's a sequel, but that almost feels like a reboot to me. Uh, and I did try to, I, I did think mostly try a, to remove reboots. I think of it as a sequel. But, okay. Um, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Oh, it's good. Um, I liked it a lot actually, but then you've got, uh, Oh, I had, I don't know my tongue that isn't on here. Um, you've got Pixar, Finding Nemo. There's a long, yeah. How long was there? Let's see, 2003 to so it was like 13 16? years, I think. Yeah. Okay. So you've got The Incredibles, which was 14 years. 14 years, and then you even had between Toy Story two and three. There's 11 years, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's right. And then Monsters University. Oh, okay. I think there was a 10 year gap there. Yeah. So um, Pixar seems to be willing to do this. Um, yeah. Will you have a problem with uh, Toy Story 4? Well, I won't know until uh, a few days from now. But uh, I do, oddly enough, because Toy Story is like their flagship, I'm kind of okay with that one being its own franchise. But one of the things that I always liked about Pixar is that they told their story and then they moved on. Uh, 
and so, but, uh, and then the one, the one, uh, story that they told that absolutely could have, uh, could bear out a sequel, which is the Incredibles. They didn't do for 14 years. Yeah. And so I did want to talk about that. I put this in my review cause, um, I enjoy Incredibles too. It's, it's mostly a good movie, but you can't divorce yourself from the external elements as well. For example, 14 years. Yeah. So when you see the movie, there is, at least when I saw the movie, I had this feeling of like 14 years for this. That's exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, I think I had the exact same response. If the exact same movie. Yeah. I mean, beat for beat line for line. If the exact same movie came out four years later, I think I would have accepted it more, mm. yeah. but I think there is yeah. a sense of anticipation. And maybe that's why I like finding Dory better, which, Dory. I, which I didn't see actually, but it's, it's, it's different enough in that it's yeah. like, I mean, in some ways it's, you know, still a, we got to get from point of whatever. Right. We got to get the thing type of movie, uh, which is what most movies are, I guess. I yeah. like got to get the say. thing. Um, yeah. But by making it not a Nemo movie, you know, by yeah. changing the focus, even though Nemo's still in it, um, maybe that sort of removed those expectations. Like it's not, let's yeah. see what's going to, let's see what's up with Marlon and Nemo. It's, uh, let's make a movie about this fan favorite character. Yeah. Um, it's almost a spinoff, but not quite. Well, and then monsters university is officially a prequel. Um, and uh, one that actually, I kind of, the stuff that they incorporate, I kind of love, um, specifically that, if you were to watch that movie by itself, it's actually very sad because what Mike Wazowski um, is not good at scaring and eventually realizes he has to just sort of play second banana to his friend. That's a sad thing mm-hmm. until you look at the events of the first of Monsters Inc. and realize that we are moving towards a different energy source, which is laughter, and Mike Wazowski actually can now excel. Um, and so it's a prequel that really requires you to know that for it to not be, uh, exceedingly depressing. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah. So I did want to bring up, uh, another one, which is Dawn of the dead, 1978. Um, because that is 10 years after night of the living dead. Uh, and there's, and it feels like it feels like more of a distance than 10 years because one is in black and white and one is in color. Uh, and that can make a, that can make a big difference. Um, it almost feels like they don't exist in the same universe. Um, not unlike the hustler and the color of money, which was a mm-hmm. 26 year difference. And you know, you see young fast Eddie Felsen and it's black and white, but what's more, it's also kind of a noirish black and white as opposed to a sort of that eighties Martin Scorsese, not overly stylized, at least not visually. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw the color of money. I don't know why I'm saying them. it's it's a it's a fine movie. Um, it's not great. It's not uh, terrible, but um, but it is in color, and it's just it's a different style. And so you watch it, and you're like, I think you could watch Color of Money and having have not seen you know not having seen okay. the Hustler because Fast Eddie Felsen like we don't see any flashbacks or anything like that. But I do think that the change from black and white to color makes it feel like they're just two completely different universes. And I don't know if that's a, I feel like maybe is that, I don't know if that's something I need to get over or if that's just, I don't know if, if anybody else thinks that, but I always yeah. have. Um, that reminds me talking about hustle and color of money. Like, sequels to most of what we're talking about are like these franchise type of genre like yeah. movies that you expect to have sequels but there are now I didn't write this one down because I actually never seen the decline of the American Empire right but it's 17 years between that and the barbarian invasions mm-hmm. and that wasn't you know it's a it's a like a intellectual dramedy it's not yeah. the kind of thing like a sex comedy among intellectuals it's not the yeah. kind of thing you expect there to be a sequel to um, which also reminds me this is just falls short of your 10 year mark, but Mm -hmm. before movies, there's nine nine years between each one. And that's, and those one, certainly once they made the the third one, it's like, okay, well the idea of time pass and like long stretches and then checking in with this person, like that's, that's the big conceit of it. I feel that this goes back to what I'm, what I was saying earlier. So I was in middle school when before sunrise came out. Okay. I was in college when Before Sunset came out. 
before midnight is the first one that came out when I was an adult. Mm -hmm. It was six years ago. So if we're doing, if there is a fourth one, I don't know if there will be, let's say there is a fourth one, right? right? We're most of the way to that. And yet, because that's the first one that came out when I was an adult, it doesn't feel that long ago. Yeah. I don't don't think it is that long ago. Not seem that that long ago to me. I hope uh, there isn't a fourth one. I've got the nice criterion trilogy <laughs> on my shelf there. It's really going to fuck that up. Yeah. That's what I thought when I, when they, when I came out with Jason Bourne, I was like, I've already got the three movies. Yeah. Luckily Jason Bourne stunk. Yeah. It might be even worse than the Bourne legacy. It might be. I didn't see the other one. Oh, okay. I've got the trilogy and I'm good. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, um, I don't really have anything to say about, those, like I said, I never saw the decline of the American, the decline of the American empire. The, in 1996, there was a movie called the evening star, oh, right. which is the sequel to terms of endearment. That's right. I forgot about Which I is never saw such it. a strange I saw terms of endearment. Yeah. yeah. Terms of endearment is a marvelous movie, but like whenever you have a sequel to a drama, yeah. it's so, I mean, it's not wrong morally uh, or artistically you can still do more with these characters but it is such a fascinating idea um but terms of endearment made a ton of money right and so i do think that there is an element there of like it's still a cash grab from a studio standpoint like hey why wouldn't we do this um but the before trilogy made me think of richard linkletter because he made, I've already forgotten the name, Last Flag Flying. Right. Which is not actually a direct sequel to The Last Detail. Mm-hmm. It's based on a novel that was a sequel to the novel The Last Detail. Right. But I think enough enough details, if you will, were changed yeah. in each that it doesn't actually work as a sequel to the movie. Right. But that's still interesting that uh, it came along. I mean, what year is The Last Detail? 73. 73. So that's uh, 34 years off the top of my head. 44 years. 44 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some long ones. We've got a long one coming up next year that I'm very excited about. Which one is that? Well, it was 1991 when Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Oh, that's right. Theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Now Bill and Ted face the music 2020, 29 years later. That is very interesting. And you know what? I keep using this word cash grab and I feel like that's maybe wrong to say, but it does a cash grab. Okay. If I say there's a difference between a cash grab and a cash in, does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Okay, what in your opinion, what's the difference? Because um, I don't know if I can actually determine it myself. Okay, to me, and this is all just quantitative, but a cash grab is like when you're talking about like this property's hot, we got to rush out another sequel. Sure, a cash in is this dormant thing or something about this dormant thing is back in we got to make a movie okay. right now, which I don't think Bill and Ted face the music is. I think, no, I a don't couple think of things have come into <clears throat> a number of things have come into play. Well, for Keanu Reeves and Alex winter have wanted to make a third Bill and Ted movie forever. Yeah. The studio that owns the rights has gone through 20 years of fluctuations in their solvency, selling off parts of the library. Like, I don't think they were in a place to, to make a third one. And then third, Keanu Reeves is, uh, in the words of Will Ferrell and Zoolander, he's so hot right now. It's not that Keanu Reeves ever went away, but like the idea, Keanu Reeves is entering that sort of Christopher Walken, Jeff Goldblum pantheon where he Mm -hmm. just, Keanu Reeves himself is like, uh, I mean, you know, he's in, (coughs) I haven't watched it yet, but he plays himself in always be my maybe the new uh, Netflix. Hmm. Okay. I didn't uh, know that. Cause I guess Ali Wong's character is like kind of a famous chef. So she's like a celebrity chef. Okay. And so she goes out on, I guess uh, a date or two with yeah. Keanu Reeves as himself. Uh, and so he's, he's entering that part of his career. And so the idea of him making another bill and Ted is yeah. I'm looking forward to it legitimately like you know genuinely looking forward to it as a movie but i also think a lot of people are like lol like it's a meme like yeah uh wouldn't it be funny if canary's been so i think all these things are sort of coming into alignment so i don't actually think there's some like thing where and maybe that is the cash in though maybe the cash in is yeah. mgm saying well they've been begging us to make this movie for two decades right uh Keanu Reeves is a big deal right now yeah let's let's do it and I think there's like what if what an odd novelty that now that he is like kind of this now that John Wick is you know around and he's this dour 
not to, I don't mean that in a negative way, but like he's this, it's a very serious type of character in his fifties. And yeah. like, wouldn't it be funny yeah. if we went back to this character? Cause he's going to do the, he's going to, regardless of what people might actually think, you know, Theodore Logan does not actually does not speak the way that Keanu Reeves does. Yeah, you know, he's going to have to put on put that back on, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I think. Yeah, and I think I think it'll be easy for him to do. Cause yeah, I think, like I said, he and Alex Winter have never stopped being friends, which is so heartwarming yeah. to me uh, because Alex Winter is a St. Louisan. Uh, are the characters going to have families? Like, yes, I, it's actually, they, they there are? was okay. just an announcement this week that they cast the, the two actresses who, who were playing their daughters. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, and one of them is, I think, I could be wrong about this. <coughs> I don't know whose daughter she's playing, but do you remember in Three Billboards, John Hawks, John Hawks's young, dumb new wife? I don't, but you don't? Okay. she's like one of the funniest parts of the movie. Okay. Um, anyway, so I think she's one of the two that's been cast as one of their, okay. their, their daughters. Um, but, uh, there's something else I was going to say about, uh, Bill and Ted or about Keanu. Oh yeah. Keanu Reeves. Like, I feel like when people interview him now, they're still maybe not treating him as a full human being, but it's in a different way. Like when we were young, it was like, yeah, basically treating him as, as Ted. Yeah. And now people are, talk about him like he's so zen which he is like he you know he yeah he i think practices certain eastern yeah. religions or whatever and so that's why you get like stephen colbert asking i don't know if you saw that thing that went kind of viral <laughs> like ken reeves was on colbert promoting john Wick three or whatever and stephen colbert asked him what do you think happens when we die which is a funny thing to ask yeah but it's also maybe kind of patronizing but also it's something that i think i honestly believe stephen stephen colbert is the type of person who thinks about oh absolutely anyway, yeah and he said what do you think happens when you die and ken reeves like very just being so Keanu Reeves knew yeah. in that moment, not to make a joke out of it. And he said, I think the people who will love us will miss us. Mm. And it was like so touching. And I feel like yeah. that's, that's part of the reason he's, he's so comfortable in his skin right now. Yeah. And, and in his celebrity, uh, this has become the Keanu Reeves fan, well, which already, we already did eight plus hours of Keanu Reeves yeah. talk, which you can find, uh, on, if you're a Patreon subscriber or if you buy the, uh, Keanu kicks ass commentaries. I feel like and, many uh, years ago, I think fame tracker nailed it, which was when they did like that. What is it? The fame, like not assessment. Oh, you talked about this. Yes. Yeah. I can't, uh, fame audit, fame was, audit. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, they would say, Oh, here's this person. Here's their current level of fame. Here's what it should be. And with Keanu Reeves, they said current level of fame, Keanu Reeves, should be Keanu Reeves. Like yeah. he just exists on his own plane of fame. Um, and yeah, the last thing about Keanu Reeves and then we'll move on our friend, friend of the show, Jen Kirkman recently tweeted Keanu Reeves is who Johnny Depp thought he was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. As a person. Yes. Yeah. I would yeah. say that's true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this idea of, of cash in, um, not to suggest that that there aren't cash grabs. There definitely are, um, certainly from a studio standpoint. Uh, I will mention Rocky Balboa in 2006 and then Creed in 2015. So it almost hits the 10-year mark. Um, and then when was Rocky Five? That was 90? 89, I think. Oh, 89. Okay. Yeah. So it was a long... It was. Okay. And I, and, and I will say that I feel like... Rocky Balboa, which is a pretty solid sequel. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, this computer sim- simulation's got people talking. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of things that are ten years old, <laughs> if not more, that uh, that that wonderful joke from uh, Best Show. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the nature of Rocky Balboa, the character, is that he is successful, but the world around him and the people that care about him. Uh, are broken and in some cases dying. Like he loses Mickey, he loses Apollo. And then the one thing he has is Adrian. And so what Rocky Balboa puts out there is like, what if he then lost Adrian? You know, what, what would that be? And so, you know, the character is very aware, is always very aware that he's getting older, possibly because the sport that he's a part of is one where Mm -hmm. there's a, there's an expiration date on your career. And so Rocky Balboa comes along and it's, you know, his wife is gone. He feels estranged from his son. Uh, and then Creed comes along and they find another way of doing it where they just, 
they get some new blood in there, but now he's he's even older, and it's a marvelous performance uh, by by him. And the film is just really well done. And so, <clears throat> you know, those are their sports movies, but they are also drama uh, first and foremost. And I think the nature of the character and the themes of that franchise really bear out the the longer there is between movies actually um and so and i didn't i actually didn't see creed 2 i heard it was actually pretty good but uh but yeah i'm i'm really and that's the other thing is creed may only may have been nine years after uh after rocky balboa but we're now dealing with Apollo Creed and he died and he died 30 years before, you know? So it's that, that's a franchise that I think has consistently been pretty solid. Um, all right. Another one I want to talk about, I want to ask your opinion on this because I was looking up when I was doing research, I was like 46 years between the wizard of Oz and return to Oz. Sure. But I, you talked about the hustler being black and white Mm -hmm. and color money being in, in color. There was a 1972 animated feature called journey back to Oz. That is a direct sequel to 1939's the wizard of Oz that I'd never heard of, but it's, but is that, I mean, they're all based on books. One is going from color to, or from black and white to color is going from live action to animation enough to disqualify it for you. I think so. Yes, honestly. Um, um, but you've got, um, well, first off you have slow internet. Um, Guess who voices Dorothy in Journey Back to Oz? Oh, hang on, hang on. Is it Liza Minnelli? It is Liza Minnelli. All right. Isn't that cool? Okay. Milton Berle as the Cowardly Lion. Margaret Hamilton as Aunt M. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul Lind as Pumpkinhead. Ethel Merman is Mombi the Bad Witch. Mickey, Mickey Rooney is the Scarecrow. That's interesting because Pumpkinhead is not in wizard of oz but he is in return to oz yeah so right? that's part of the continuum yeah okay you know what i think you sold me okay all right um, um so the last one i am sure you have more mm-hmm. but i want to wrap up soon because um i have somewhere to be actually yeah. um the last one i wanted to talk about we talked oh, I'm about sorry, are we keeping you <laughs> no i love <laughs> the podcast um for well, what did we say for mary poppins 54 years 54 years yeah okay I don't know if this counts for you because it's okay. not really the kind of movie that has a sequel or whatever, but 59 years okay. between Fantasia and Fantasia 2000, which came out in 1999. But there, there's no through line narratively, but this is yeah. another part of the Fantasia, <laughs> you know, franchise or whatever. That one definitely feels like a cash in in so far. Not that Fantasia was hot, but it's like if, if the first Fantasia was this, Miracle and this celebration of animation. Well, what happened in the '90s? Well, now we have computer animation. Oh, okay. And yeah. so it incorporated a lot more of that. It's not. It's not uh, like Toy Story. It's not fully computer animated, yeah. but it did. It opened a lot more doors for them, and I think that's what Fantasia 2000 is. I remember liking Fantasia 2000 uh, when I, I saw it. I haven't seen it in 19 years. Yeah, me. Uh, yeah, me either. Um, no, 20 years. It's because it's 1999. It's not 2000. Oh, that's it's right. Called yeah, Fantasia yeah. 2000. It came out in 99. So 20 years. Um, but I actually weirdly have thought about it a couple of times recently. Okay. Specifically because it being late May, early June is graduation season. I've been to a couple of graduations, mm. my sister-in-law, and then literally today for my nephew. And they always play pop and circumstance. And oh, I sure. I don't know if you remember they did because that, that music is so, uh, tied to graduations. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I think that Fantasia 2000 did a pop and circumstance sequence that was, I, I believe it was like, Donald Duck was Noah and it was a Noah's Ark. It was him like gathering all the animals. I think it's right. Is that, am I right? Is that Fantasia 2000 or the first Fantasia? I feel like that's now Fantasia I, 2000. Okay. Um, but that uh, does sound familiar. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it sounds really, familiar. I just don't remember which one it is actually. Uh, okay. Fantasia 2000, not 200. That's the <laughs> asylum version. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, asylum is still putting, stuff out like they're yeah, still they, making they, movies that are they just follow me on twitter oh really <laughs> yeah how are they doing uh yeah fantasia 2000 pomp circumstance starring okay. Donald duck yeah. okay um yes it's the noah's art noah's art one okay i'm glad you had me doubting myself because i was Sorry gonna say that. that i saw fantasia 2000 and the only one i really remember is mm-hmm. the pop and circumstance one okay 
Anyway, uh, that's uh, my whole list unless something else pops into my head. So I've got, um, yeah, I've got a a few more, not many. Um, Oh, I mean, I mentioned Terminator. Except I have a big one that I forgot. I mentioned Terminator. There's a 12 year difference between Terminator two and Terminator three. Um, yeah. And then, and it's not, it's not James Cameron. Um, it's not, uh, Edward Furlong. No. Nicholas Stahl. Yeah, um, and Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Yeah, uh, and yeah, like the one the funny, one through line is Arnold Schwarzenegger in these films. Do you hear a funny Nick Stahl story? Okay, so is I, there such a thing? I knew who Nick Stahl was because when I was a kid, a movie not quite cr- cracking the top five most watched, but a movie I used to, weirdly used to watch a lot was The Man Without a Face. Yeah, uh, it's a really cool movie. Um, I mean, it's obviously directed cool by is an interesting uh, word for that i don't know if i describe it as cool, cool but it's obviously directed by an anti-semitic monster named mel gibson mm-hmm. but um i really liked it when i was a kid and he's the kid in the movie yeah. and then he kind of i feel like wasn't in anything for a long time until he was in a film called tall tale okay uh plays like okay and yeah where, i remember tall tale Al- <clears throat> oliver platt and yeah. patrick swayze right yeah yeah i don't think i ever saw i don't him. remember who plays john henry but in that in that period between uh, Male Head of Face and I guess Tall Tale and then his showing up as a young man in mm-hmm. things like Bully and Terminator 3 and In the Bedroom or whatever, there was like a Dateliner 2020 story about curfews where they interviewed a bunch of like local teens who have driver's license <laughs> about curfews and one of them was Nick Stahl and I was like, I didn't know the name at the time, but I was yeah. like, that's the kid from Me Without a Face. I know because I've seen it 20 times Yeah, and then I've, I've, I've looked for it online. I, sw- I swear I did not make that up. Um, that's very, that's f- very funny. Yeah. I told you it was a funny story yeah. about Nick Stahl. Uh, did you have more to say about Terminator? Um, just that it's, <clears throat> you know, they're making another one. Yeah. There's another one coming yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I didn't see Terminator Genesis. I feel there's Terminator one Salvation. I didn't see, I didn't see yeah. Salvation. Um, I didn't see. I mean, the best thing that came out of Salvation, obviously, people need to subscribe to our Patreon to hear about, um, which is the Christian Bale rant. Oh, right. Um, I bet you were going to say um, the roller coaster at Six Flags, which is now they like lost the licensing. It's no longer the oh, Terminator really? Salvation ride. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, it's just a roller coaster it was one of the better it was like a um uh it was like a half wooden like metal sort of hybrid oh that's a neat idea um yeah that was like uh um didn't go upside down it wasn't one of the ones that rocked you back and forth it was actually a really cool uh ride but it also had one of those cool sort of terminator salvation themed like waiting area like the line you go yeah. through you're walking through like the wreckage of the future war yeah. or whatever i wonder what it's like now i've been there since they lost the license i'll say this there is a uh there's a roller coaster out there i believe it's at magic mountain but it's certainly at yeah, one I of the six flags, flags i should say magic Mountain because okay. there's a lot of six flags um specifically magic mountain riddler's revenge oh yeah it's a stand-up coaster yeah yeah uh this is something that has bothered me my entire life. Not just like, but that's, that's like a great example of it. It's, I, this bothered me before that where it's just like, cause there was Batman, the ride and all that. It's just a fucking roller coaster. Yeah. It's like the, you can paint it green all you want. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing Riddler esque about this. And also like the, it really ba- bothered me as a kid. Like, because obviously Warner Brothers and Six Flags have this, I don't know what the relationship course, yeah. is, but there's a lot of, that. they have a DC stuff. But like, there'll be rides called Batman the Ride that are different at different Six Flags. Yeah. Which is, so that's crazy. It's, yeah. Um, I love, and I kind of see the correlation, I love the Superman ride. Okay. At Magic Mountain. Do you know which one it is? No, I don't. It's one I haven't been in years. So you sit there, you're in the dark, the thing opens, it literally just shoots you out as fast as you can. Okay. You go all the way up to the top and then you come back. It's like you wait 40 minutes because I can only yeah. do one at a time for literally at most a 15 second ride and I love it because I just love that And that feeling. one actually does have a correlation. Yeah. It's like you're flying up into yeah. the sky. Yeah. Um, but I just love that feeling of just being shot out of a coaster. There was a, I don't think it's, there anymore because marvel and dc are you know or marvel and disney are right. related but the universal 
studios in Florida used to have a Hulk ride. Yeah, um, that's right. That was very similar, had a very similar beginning. It would, it didn't like ratchet you up. Like most mm-hmm. things do. It literally like shot you out of the thing at like yeah. 60 miles per hour. So cool. When I was last at, when I was last in uh, universal studios, Florida, they still had Marvel stuff there. Um, yeah, what if they still do that? Spider-Man ride was so cool. So what I was going to say about Terminator three and I would, and, uh, and I might be generalizing too much from this that like when you have a sequel to a franchise uh, and it's been over 10 years at that point, I feel like the tone changes because 10 years is long enough for people to become familiar with the franchise. Okay. And so if you just try to do the exact same thing, uh, you might be accused of trying to repeat yourself. So when you see Terminator rise of the machines, it is attempting to be funnier than the previous movies. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when you have like Indiana Jones and kingdom, of the crystal skull, there are a lot of little sort of visual jokes or just sort of gags that are trying to be sort of a riff on what we expect hmm. from these. And so, um, and I'm trying to think what other I examples like there might Free, be, by the way, I, I don't, like I don't dislike it. I'm just saying that like, it feels uh, different than the first two. That car chase with the fire truck is awesome it is really cool yeah it's it's not a i remember and they also a, blow up the world, literally the world ends at the end of it which is yeah. pretty crazy um which some people have said like actually just completely undercuts the theme of the second film uh-huh. uh but whatever it's fine um and so um you know superman returns uh in 2006 which admittedly you know it's a whole different cast and all that but it is meant to be a sequel to superman 2 ignoring 3 and 4 um and that's one where there's a moment of humor where uh i think lois and perry and jimmy like they're all looking at a photo of superman but it's kind of out of focus and someone's like it's like that's ah, just a birds and the other one it's a plane and it's like no it's and then clark comes in and goes hey guys you know <laughs> and it's like and that's kind of amusing but it's that kind of thing where it's been so long yeah. we know all of the things we know everything there is to know about superman at this point so you can't just play the same beats because it might even be seen as hokey or cliche you have to find some kind of twist yeah. uh on on the old things so that was um, superman returns Superman Returns. I never saw that. It's it's not a bad movie. Um, but I remember, and I can only imagine if there were Twitter, um, that this would have been more of a controversy. But when he comes back, Frank Nigella's character, I never even saw the movie, but I just know this. He says, does he still stand for truth, justice, all that stuff? And he doesn't say the American it, way. Right. And there were people yeah. who were... That's unpatriotic to not have him say the yeah. American way. And I imagine that would have been... It would have been like the... Uh, the flag and first man. Sure. Which I still haven't seen. Um, <laughs> you haven't seen the flag or you haven't seen the, you've watched the I've heard good things times. about this flag. Thing. You, you haven't been able to spot that flag. No, it's very clear. There's uh, very clearly an American flag. Yeah. I remember, I do remember that at the time and it was a, a low level yeah. controversy. I mean, obviously because there wasn't Twitter or anything like, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but that's, and that's an example is, well, there was a when when you're making superhero uh, Superman movies during the Cold War, fucking a he stands for the American way. Right. But now that that's over, and you're in the middle of the Bush era, maybe Brian Singer's not that interested in uh, Superman standing for the American way. Did you ever read Red Sun? The, no, uh, I didn't. That's the the one that it imagined, sounded really interesting. Yeah, what if to me. what if what yeah. if uh, what's his name Kal El? Landed in Soviet Russia instead of in Middle America. Wait, which one is Jor El? Uh, that's his dad, right? Okay, all and right. He's Kal El. I, I could, I could that, have a background. It might be backwards. Yeah. Um, okay. The last thing we were talking, I, I had a perfect in and I forgot. Okay. Um, speaking of Disney and Disneyland and Disney properties, you've got a brand new land at Disney, and that reminds me of the Star Wars franchise, which yeah. disappeared from yeah, 1983 until 1999. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say. Well, and it's and because, because it's, it never really went away in, in a sense. Yeah, but that's you know, I mean, for people our age, I mean, Star Wars was this revered. It was this three movie thing, and the last Star Wars movie for many years in my life, the last Star Wars movie was made a, when I was a year old. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I grew up watching all three Star Wars movies, and they were these things that were such a huge part of my life, but they were in the past, yeah. and then suddenly they were back and worse. And 
and I've, I, you know, I, I wrote an article about this a while ago that, and apparent, and Disney apparently made a comment about not my article, but about this idea that, um, you know, with force awakens and then rogue one, like uh, the movies that they've been putting out, that's been one a year and it's kind of sounds weird. It's kind of cheapening the franchise. Like even the prequels, were three years apart, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then they were done. But this, it's like, oh, we want to try. Now it does feel like a cash grab. Like we want to try and do one a year for as long as is viable. Um, and now I think with Galaxy's Edge. I don't think. I think Disney is banking on this not going away, which right. I would say seems like a safe. And path. you know what's interesting? They could have done Galaxy's Edge in 1992, and it would have been popular. Right. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars is just they whether there's the right, they right. back then, but yeah. But well, they still had Star Tours. Well, that's you know. true. Um, huh. yeah. yeah. So uh, so that's the thing is like Star Wars, whether there's a movie or not, like is just part of the you know part of the culture now. Um, so along those lines, I will actually mention a movie that hasn't come out yet. We already talked about Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh shit, we did. <laughs> no, um, and that is, hey, whenever Avatar two. Oh yeah. All right. That is going to be like, we crossed the 10 year mark this year. That's right. Um, and then I think it was, I think they announced it's going to get pushed back and then apparently is going to be followed by multiple sequels. And this is one that, you know, my friends and I have been talking about for a long time that obviously avatar was a huge deal at the time, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about it now. I mean, to, to go with uh, another Cameron film, like I heard about Titanic consistently for years after that movie came out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like avatar that dropped off after like two years at most yeah yeah Yeah. once all those people got over their depression and not being able to live (laughs) in pandora yeah um um, yeah then it went away but um i don't know i'm i feel like everyone is um yeah, making fun of Avatar for that reason, but I liked Avatar and I tend to like James Cameron movies, and so I'm curious. I'm curious, but I wonder how many people are. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> they might be curious curious enough to see it, but as opposed to a lot of the movies that we've been talking about, um, the characters, it's all there's there's an element of oh, I want to see what these characters are up to. Yeah, even if it's Mary Poppins and it's a different actress, it's like oh, well, I want I want to get back in touch with these characters. Well, nobody gives a shit about the characters in Avatar. The only one with a pulse was Stephen Lang, uh, and yeah. even he was a cartoon. Um, yeah. And so, really, it's just the world. But I do think that James Cameron is a good big picture storyteller, and so I am curious to see how it turns out. But I just. I'm really interested. I don't think it's going to flop or anything like that, but I just, I can't imagine it being nearly as successful as the first I, one, but I, I've been wrong before. Doubt James Cameron at your own peril. That's, you know what? That's true. Uh, um, and then I did also want to mention again, when you get 10 years, 10 plus years out, there's always the possibility that the sequel could just be seen as a reboot. And so like Jurassic world, um, came out, 14 years I want to say after yeah. uh, Jurassic Park 3 yeah and you know there, there's a, there's one character overlap which is Dr. Wu and then Malcolm shows up in the in the yeah. Jurassic World Fallen yeah. Kingdom people are referring to because they're making another Jurassic World world, yeah. world and I'm, I keep seeing it referred to as Jurassic World 3 and I want to be like no it's Jurassic Park 6 but yeah no one cares. Right. <laughs> I'm yeah. screaming at a wall. Uh, and that's the thing is they, they might actually not call it that they might call it Jurassic world, something, something. So they don't have to get numbers involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, people have said that Jurassic world is essentially because the story is so similar to Jurassic park that it's just a reboot, but it's like, well, they're referencing John Hammond. They're referencing what happened in the first film. Uh, and so uh, it's, it is an actual sequel, but again, the, it's Jurassic Park had such a played such a big role in the culture that like for Jurassic World to exist. I mean, I did a whole video essay yeah. about this that like that film maybe more so than a lot of the other ones is very knowing and very winking and very aware of where it fits into the larger culture. All right. Should we wrap up? Sure. You can find us at battleship Uh, this week. Um, well, 
let's see, we've got uh, just a couple of things. Uh, Alex wrote about Drugstore Cowboy for his Criterion Prediction column. We got reviews this week of Late Night and Papi Chulo. Um, and this week on the Patreon, we talked about the, our personal top five movies of the year 2001. That's right. Um, so that's available at battleshipretention.com. Um, and you can click, you can find the Patreon there as well. Uh, you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com. We also, yeah, we do a mailbag segment on the Patreon. So feel free to email me questions at david at battleshipretention.com. You can email Tyler at tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davy Pretension. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, anything going on at more than one lesson that you want to talk about? Not that I recall, but you can, uh, you can always purchase my book uh cinematic suffering at more than one lesson and at battleship pretension so it's uh, 15 dollars uh and it can only be shipped in the united states right now uh but i am it's a ways off but i'm thinking of turning it into like an audiobook so that people Ooh. overseas can get it as well uh yeah check all that out and thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.